0: Welcome to Revelation Warning, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Robert Thibodeau as he interviews prophecy experts from around the world as we discuss current events in relation to Bible prophecy. All of this is to give the world a final revelation warning. Now, here is your host with this week's guest, Pastor Robert Thibodeau.
1: Hello everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Revelation Warning Podcast. We are so blessed that you're joining us here today. You know, if you've been listening recently, you've heard several sessions with our guest today, Scott Wright. And we've done a deep dive on the book of Revelation, the seven church ages. If you missed any of those episodes, go back to the archives and look them up because it's such important information that we need in this day and time we live. A matter of fact, we talked about the year 2038 and the significance of that. But Scott's back with us today, and he's been teaching on all these different things from the book of Revelation and the church today. And today, we'll be talking about the declarations of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Scott's also a podcaster. He's truly great podcast, The god Center Concept, and he's also published a, a book, a journal called god Center Concept Journal, Making God's Word My Ways. So help me welcome back to the program today, Scott Rice. Scott, it is such a blessing to have you come back and join us today.
2: Bob, thanks for having me on the show, and I look forward to another fun discussion that uh, always seems, seems to emerge as we're speaking.
1: Oh, amen, amen. Well, today we'll be discussing the declarations of Jesus based upon the chapters one through five in the book of Revelation. So I guess the first question would be what are the declarations of Jesus.
2: So, I titled this out Declaration of Jesus and actually if you go on my uh journal that I've posted on Amazon for people to buy, there's two pages listed on those declarations according to Revelation's chapters 1 through 5. Here's the thing, I I always like to go in and and when I'm reading the book of Revelation, especially when I'm reading about the ages of the church, I've learned to not focus on the prophecy the, at first, but to focus on who Jesus is. Because the fulfillment of prophecy is all about who God and who Jesus, who they are, and who the Holy Spirit is. Because at the end of the day, our relationship with God and our trust in Him is really going to be equated to how well we know Him. And it's it's His job to put it out there for us to pursue but we have to pursue that knowledge. And we have, we not only should be praying for it, but we have to pursue that knowledge. Yeah. Amen. Just like it says in the book of James, faith or belief without action is just dead. It's not real faith. So it's the same thing here. These declarations are tremendously important because they give us insight into who Jesus is and helps us to connect with him at deeper levels. And it also gives us that picture of God to just get help us get a better grasp of who he is, and just to get to know him better. You know, any relationship is about it should evolve and it should keep evolving into you getting to know better. So, Bob, yeah. you're married. It's the same thing with your wife. You know, at some yeah. point, if you've been married for a while, hopefully you're starting to get to know each other a little bit better. Hopefully I hadn't been, you know, if you've been married for 20 years. YouTube in your own little separate worlds and boxes and you, you know how to say hi and good night. I mean, hopefully hopefully there's a little bit more to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 45 years, I kind of figured her out.
2: All right, exactly. And I'm guessing she probably has you figured out. Yeah, and so, I
1: figured out, you know, I get asked sometimes, what, what's the secret to longevity and marriage like that? As, oh, it's real simple. You just got to know three things. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. And you're done. <laughs> <laughs> works every time
2: <laughs> well Amen. it doesn't Amen. go much different with our relationship with god sometimes you know Amen. we uh we realize he's right we're wrong and we're, we're the ones confessing and <laughs> we're sorry and and we need our correction so <laughs> Amen. Amen. but but bottom line is is that learning these declarations helps us connect at deeper levels with christ look paul talked about spiritual milk and not growing past that yeah. and how they're, I believe the church right now is full of this. And a lot of it is, is because they're in such a busy rush that they don't understand what's really there for them to grasp onto. They don't yeah. see the value in pursuing that relationship with God mm-hmm. and what that'll lead to. I do discipleship mentoring. And when I'm doing those mentoring sessions, I'm always somehow including that deeper level of connection with God because i know that will lead to the other pieces evangelizing to other people more confidence in talking about having those gospel conversations you know you've done seminary work before and parts of that you were learning the bible but what you were really learning is who god was yeah and who he is really Amen. not who he was who he is yeah and it helps you to connect deeper to that because if we're not connecting deeper then how can we Train the next generation of believers. Yeah, that that's being lost right now. Yeah. We are losing this battle, mm-hmm. and so I have—I already put this in my first initial, just generic journal. The second one that I'm writing now, and of course, I gave you a little quick promo on one of the main uh, units of that uh, devotional. This is going to end up being a devotional that is going to focus on some different aspects, and one of them is going to really focus on getting to know God at a deeper level. Yeah. Not only the processes he's given us to connect to him, but just simply who he is. Amen. And Amen. so we're going to we're going to use that biblical text. So I'll give you a couple examples yeah, here. So
1: go over some of the declarations for. Sure.
2: Before. Well, you know, and so if you if, for one thing, if you're at home reading, you can if you study chapters just 2 and 3 and you look at the very beginning of each of those ages of the church, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira—you know, whichever one you want to look at—they give a—they give declarations of Jesus at the very beginning. So, for instance, Ephesus, it's chapter two, starting with verse one. These are the words of Him who holds the seven stars in His right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Go down to verse 8. This is Smyrna. These are the words of the first and the last who died and returned to life. Again, Pergamum. What is verse 12? These are the words of the one who holds the sharp, double-edged sword. Go all the way down. Verse 18. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a blazing fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. You know, go over to chapter 3, again, verse 1. These are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Jump down to the Church of Philadelphia, verse 7. These are the words of the one who is holy and true, who holds the keys, the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Again, Laodicea, verse 14, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. And then one that we'll talk about in a future episode, you and I have already sort of been talking about it off the air. And if you if you go all the way down and you look at verse 5 and you go about halfway into that verse, these are the seven spirits of God. And then go to verse 6, and before the throne was something like a sea of glass. So it starts to give these descriptions of God in a very interesting way. We learn from here that there are actually seven spirits of God. And okay. so the book of Revelation mm-hmm. gives all this. And we have to understand, even when it talks about God on the throne, Jesus is a representation of he is not only God, but he's also the representation of God here on earth for us in all manifested in all these different ways. The first time he manifested himself as a lamb, both in the flesh and in the spirit. And so we know that. And he died for us. And then he resurrected to give us eternal life. But now he has become more. He has become more. Not that he are, he wasn't already those things but at that time while he was on earth he focused just on that aspect on and on those aspects and the spirit of god rested on him at that time and he was wise and could heal and do all those things but he put these other pieces aside until he had fulfilled the scriptures of his first coming and now right now he is the bride he is the groom waiting on his bride and once once the father says, okay, here we go, let's go get him, Let's go get the bride, then all of these other declarations, not only do they hold true, but they are going to be fulfilled. Yeah. And I think Rapid- that's so important. Yeah. And 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 really, um, there's there's a show called Before the Wrath, and it's a docudrama. And I encourage everybody to to listen to that. Kevin Sorbo is the narrator. And I've watched it and I've studied and I knew what he was talking about because I studied for a year and a half the history of marriage. And I got a, a deep sense of all these different processes. And I also studied the ancient Hebrew rituals of marriage and how the betrothal process was, and then if there wasn't a father, how that went, you know. So if you're looking at this history of marriage, and and I studied it for 18 months. And this particular subject is massive. And I I honestly didn't understand why I was being led to study it. And it really wasn't until here in the last couple of weeks that I have gotten a full glimpse of why there's been parts of it as, as God has put in my heart and revealed to me why now I know the total picture. And it's this, if you watch the movie before the wrath, it gives a good explanation of how the end relates to the ancient Hebrew ritual of betrothal and marriage, because it's like Jesus is the groom. God is the father, and we, the church, are the bride, and we're in a process right now of waiting. See, what would happen during this betrothal period is the when they would come forward, when all the people, you know, if the father was alive and the son obviously would be alive because he's the one wanting to marry this girl and the girl and her family and, and all the pieces were intact and everybody was that way. There would be adjustments they would make that could be made if, if somebody wasn't alive, but the main players were the son, the father of the son, and then the parents of the bride and the bride, those would be basically the five main players in this. And what would happen is, is the father of the son would pay the bride's parents the money to basically the right to have her. The son would present his case. The father would pay the endowment. And so there was endowments set aside and and what that value was and all those things. I'm not going to get into all that, but after that was done. Okay. And this is important. The son Usually they would they would they would share some kind of a they would all get a you know get a drink of wine, but the son would hand the bride a cup of wine during the betrothal period. The bride would have to choose to drink it. It was still her choice. If she drank it, that symbolized that they were now legally betrothed. And in Jewish society, they were married. That means they were connected. They were not allowed to be pursued or pursue anyone else. Period. However, once that was done, the the parents of of the father of the son and the bride's parents would not allow them to see each other until the time when the father, the, the the father's, the son, his father, would say, Okay, we're gonna go get your bride. And they would always go. During the night. And it may be nine months, it may be 10 months, it may be a year, it may be a year and a couple of months. I mean, that father was the only one who knew the time when this would be selected. And then he would get up and it would usually be at night, just about every time it'd always be at night. And that was kind of the ritual. And that father would look at the son and say, he'd wake him up and say, Okay, it's time. That's why it says in the Bible that only the father knows the hour it relates back to that ritual most people don't even understand what that ritual even was see we have lost these teachings along the way that's right to truly understand god we have to go back to that culture i would challenge pastors out there in these churches to and not necessarily to stop reading the bible for a couple of months in your church But to sort of put it on a par and subject everything to the Hebrew culture of that time and go through a process of teaching them that culture and to see everything in that. If you go to episode two of my podcast, I give a real brief description of Greek versus Hebrew culture. And if you're witnessing to somebody, you sort of need to test whether they are what I would call they're kind of a Hebrew or they're Greek and meaning the amount of information they know, so you know where to start when you're talking to them. Because Paul witnessed very differently to Greeks than he would to Jews of that time. Yeah. Jews knew everything; yeah. they just needed a few extra incentives to really understand that this guy Jesus actually fulfilled what they'd been waiting for. Were Greeks, you had to start from Genesis one yeah, one, <laughs> so exactly. it's exactly. just a totally different thing. Yeah. And in this particular case. I think we have lo- where we've lost this is we've stopped saying the names of God and declaring them. And the declarations of Jesus in Revelation is a really good place for us to start mm-hmm. because of where we are in history anyway, mm-hmm. but it also gives us that connector. So one of the things that I do every day to implement is I have a list of just God's names that I say out loud during prayer time. And I also make these declarations of Jesus over everything. And I do that for a reason. First of all, I was led to do it, number one. But I do it because it commits to memory and into what I call my cellular memory so that I'm practicing them all the time. I will tell you, when I feel something not just right anymore, like that I might be on the verge of doing something that God does not want me to do, or I'm not doing something that God does, doing this every day helps me correct that faster. Men, because it may because you are committed. Okay. We used to say when I was coaching, your level of commitment will be determined what you do when nobody else is looking.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: It truly is.
1: That's right. That's, right. That's called integrity,
2: too. Exactly.
1: Uh, we use it in the military, you know, or, you know, you, they'll, they'll have, I remember one qualification course. Uh, we had to do, you know, like 20 push ups and whatever it was, you know, at that point and all that. And they actually had trail cams set up that we didn't see, didn't even know were there. They're watching each person there. Some go up they do like three and then move on because it's yep. a timed course. Right. And, uh, when they get back, I say, you did everything. Yep. Okay. So, and so come here and say, you did everything you did. You did all whatever you had, whatever the exercise was. Yep. Sure did goes, you did all all of them. Yep. Okay. Tell us what this is. And they played a video. Uh Hey, the film don't lie. Yeah. And they said, you're done. Pack your gear, you know, at at the qualification school. Because you're done. It's over. You lied. That's the way it is. You know, they're not going to deal with it. And uh, so everyone that did what they were supposed to do went on to the next phase. (laughs) uh, uh, you You didn't even know they were watching. I mean, it was just trail cams, you know, watching that little area. You know, you come up, punch your ticket, do your pushups or leg lifts or whatever it said you were supposed to do, and the number you are supposed to do, and uh, and off you went. But, uh, yeah, out of uh, something like forty people, they got rid of three or four the first time they did that. You know, it's like goodbye, you're done. You know, so, so yeah, yeah, I understand. What, I I can fully relate to everything that you're talking about. Praise the Lord.
2: Let me ask you this, though. Yeah, go ahead.
1: You you read about the seven stars in Jesus' hand. What are the seven stars?
2: Well, that's an interesting thing. That actually, in the book of Revelation, and I'm just going to go and read because it tells us what they are. Mm -hmm. We don't even have to guess. It already explains it. And that explanation tells you everything you need to know. So let's go to the verse. And it says it right here. Let's go to verse 19 and 20 of chapter 1 of Revelation. It says, therefore, write down the things you have seen. And Jesus is talking to John here. And the things that are and the things that will happen after this. This is the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Yeah. So right there, Revelation tells us what it is. We don't even have to guess. I don't even have to pray about that. I can read it right there and it just yeah. tells me exactly what it is. So So
1: why is Jesus holding the seven angels for the seven churches? What do you mean holding? Holding them back from going down and ministering to them?
2: What's well, the place think, there? Think about this. Those are the seven ages. So he's holding them in his hand. He is determining when each one of them is going to fulfill their part
1: amen okay.
2: that's what he's doing i mean think about it you have the first angel mm-hmm. and we talked about that that was a hundred years yeah. yeah and then he says okay and he says the second angel sends him out that's 200 years and then the third that went about 200 more and then that certain event he and think about it he's pulling them back too and then he's sending out that fourth one I almost think it's kind of like tag team wrestling. One angel goes out, they slap hands. The other one comes Amen. back,
0: <laughs> Amen. 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 but
2: I'm going to say this, that fourth angel, that fourth angel was there for a while. Yeah. This guy must have had some serious endurance because he was there for a thousand years That's right. <laughs> So Amen. by far the longest age. And then of course I'm, I'm sure when the fifth angel, he's like, thank you tag team, boom, he's back. And here okay. comes the fifth angel. <laughs> and then the sixth and then the seventh. So the seventh is in place right now. Seventh angel. I kind of am curious this seventh angel. I wonder if he has, you know, a lot of airbags, you know, you know, the little airbags they tell you when you're not feeling well on the airplane, Mm -hmm. because it does say in the book of revelation, you're lukewarm. And therefore I will spit you or vomit you out of my mouth. (laughs) Sure. That angel's done a lot of that.
1: Amen. Amen. Because
2: just how, just held well, inept and in so much apathy.
1: Yeah. That's the big with, thing is the apathy.
2: With, it's the apathy within the church. I mean, it's just, and and that apathy has led basically resting on your laurels and be a little bit too comfortable. What it's done is it's led us abandoning the truth because it's like, well, I don't really need this. So why do I need to follow it? So why does it matter? And then over a period of time, and then you just kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happened. Matter of fact, in that age of the church, which is the age we now live in, if you go, go right down again, and you start reading the verses, here it is, verse 17, it says, You say, I am rich, I have grown wealthy and need nothing. Yeah, Don't you, I mean, hey, we can watch YouTube, and we can figure out how to do anything. We don't need anybody's help. I mean, people have lost their need for God and each other. Yeah. And so the first and second greatest commandments are just been abandoned. Totally. Because I can just do it myself. I don't need this. Amen. Amen. I you know, and I I do mentoring as well as that I teach in classrooms and and stuff. And, And of course, I do all that. And I'm always paying attention. To, and I'm trying to assess people on need. Okay. And that's just something I do. And it relates to this, but so many people have all these needs and they don't realize it. It's just, they're deceived to what needs they really have. Oh yeah. Yeah. They really do. And the thing is, is God is the one that wants to meet all those needs. You know, these declarations of Jesus, just think of it this way. He has all these declarations. That means He is all these things and even more. He he is capable of wearing many hats and meeting all your needs. There's no other person that can do all of this. So if if, if Jesus can hold seven stars in his right hand, I want you to think about this. Then I would imagine that he can help T.S. Wright and that he can help Bob Thibodeau or Pastor Bob right here. I mean, I am guessing he can do that. And I'm guessing he can come into your church and into your home and take care of the needs and even expose the needs that you have that you don't even realize you need. Mm -hmm. Because when you have here's what here's what happens to a person. We when I'm working this out with people, when they're mentoring, sometimes half my battle is to get them to realize what it is they really need. You know, when when somebody is caught, look, when somebody has a stronghold or they have sin in their life that they can't rid themselves of, it's, that sin usually is not the issue. The sin is a symptom of what the real issue is. And see, we all have these voids in our life, and God built us with those voids so he could connect to us. He wants to connect to us. But what happens is, is we, instead of searching him in those voids and him being our go-to, it's kind of a test. It really is a test. We choose other things. And then what okay. happens is, is we open the door for ungodly attachments to come in. And those can come in many forms. They can be fleshly, they can just be worldly, ideology, and or they can be demonic. I mean, yeah. it's okay. there's all kinds of different types of attachments, and then they will carry us in a direction away from God and just keep pushing us further away from God because yeah. we keep thinking we don't need him. We can solve our own problems these other ways.
1: Yep. Amen. Amen. So how do these declarations though? How do they apply to our daily life?
2: Well, number one, it is it helps us to understand who Jesus is. That's the bottom line. We've been talking about that. But number two, saying them reminds us of how powerful he is. And then doing that daily and taking the time to pray through these helps establish that in our hearts about him. And it reminds us that he is in control and deservedly so. And it, it puts us where we need to be down here, and it puts him up there on the throne. Saying, I mean, look, for instance, the lamb who has seven horns and seven eyes that represent the seven spirits of God. Well, no offense to myself, but it's not T S right that is that <laughs> it's <laughs> Jesus, you know, it's not, you know, name the presidents or the kings of the past or you know, some dictator and it's not some basketball star or football star it's not it's not your boss <laughs> it's jesus yeah he's the only one that can do this he is the only one worthy to take the scroll and break its seven seals that's huge i mean that he's the only one worthy to do that and he's the only one capable of doing that as well well why would i not want that person in control versus somebody else
1: exactly exactly
2: that is why you want to study these because it reminds you that he is all of these things and then some as if you could contain God to a few names and a few declarations but and for our mind's sake God obviously used Uh, The apostles and prophets and stuff to put these things down so we could process those. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: So, Amen.
1: Praise the Lord. Man, this is so good. Sum all everything we talked about, sum it up for us today.
2: Well, first of all, the declarations, Jesus is something you want to practice. And I will challenge you as well to practice the names of God. Learn, don't just learn them in English, learn them in Hebrew, their original names. Learn the names of God. And We'll talk about that in a, in a future episode, and they're going to relate to these declarations of Jesus. Matter of fact, I list some of the names of God again in my journal, that generic journal. But the one that I'm writing, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep these in there as well because I want people connecting this. The more we, and and here's what it is: the more that we know God, and the better that we know Him, the easier it is for us to trust Him. It truly is. It's your knowledge of Him. Will help you trust him. Now, you also have to surrender to that, but you got to practice it to surrender to it. It's not going to happen overnight. I think sometimes people think surrenders overnight
1: <laughs> or a one time deal.
2: Exactly. It's not that one time moment is just a starting point. And I will say this there's people who I think sometimes they get saved and they have that big emotional experience, and they think it all happened at once. It really didn't. God probably led you down a road that only you can see you and him mm-hmm. to that point. you know, I've experienced emotional healing, and that happened in a moment, but the process of getting to that point of emotional healing took time and then the process after of not of closing the door to things that caused the reason I needed emotional healing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what I would say is that it's still a process and you still need to practice it daily. So if you, you, I'll tell you, you want a group of guys that did that, go study the desert fathers.
1: Amen. Amen. Yeah. And that, and we talked about that before on, a, on another episode and yeah, the, mm-hmm. the desert fathers basically set the stage for what we call church today. Yes, you know, the they monasteries did. Monasteries and, and seminaries and all that good stuff.
2: And Amen. as well as uh, just practicing daily the presence of God, mm-hmm. those guys did that. Yep. And and they showed us how to do it both institutionally and as well as individually. Amen. Amen. What happened in church of Thyatira is the individuality got removed that's what happened. That's why that church went wrong. Mm. And and the church itself became too politicized and too big for its own good Mm. in some ways, and too powerful is really the better way of saying it. And what happened was, is everything just like in Jewish society, when the temple became the center of everything, instead of God being the one that filled that temple, it's the same thing. The church became the entity and not that God was filling the church, right? And they lost the sense of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Great Awakening happened in the sixth age of the church, is because we needed the sense of the Spirit back.
1: Amen. Praise God. Scott, all this sounds so interesting. If someone wanted to reach out to you for more information or ask a question, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you?
2: Uh, Great question. GCC, God-Centered Concept 2038, the numbers 2038, at gmail.com you can send me an email and i'll be happy to respond.
1: Amen. Amen. And what are we going to be talking about next time?
2: Well, we're going to talk about we're going to, we're going to talk about some of these hebrew characteristics, all right? And we're going to talk about the temple specifically. You and i were talking about a couple aspects of it before uh we even started this episode today. We're going to bring that up in a little bit more detail. We're going to start looking at a little bit about the names of God and the seven spirits of God, which quite frankly, I don't know if you can contain God to seven names. <laughs> I think for our Amen. intents and purposes, we can, we need it, but God cannot be contained to seven names. He is, yeah. he is just the great I am. Amen. And so he just is. And that's hard for our minds to understand, but we're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit. It will relate to some of what we learned today and what we talked about today. So, but we're going to look at the temple and how it relates not only to the seven churches, but that the process that we teach the foundational process of connecting to God and why that is, you know, God didn't just give the whole instruction of the temple and the tabernacle at the time at that time to Moses on the mountain for kicks and giggles. Yeah. He gave it to him because he understood our hearts and how we are and he also understood that this process would keep us connected to him. And we still that process still matters. It does. The temple, the tabernacle, that the the process of what they would go through to get to the day of atonement, it still impacts us today. It really does. It's it's embedded in our Christian Judeo-Christian roots. Yeah. And it's a process that we still follow to connect with him. And Jesus layers that out in Revelation 3, 18 through 21. We will talk about that.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, that sounds interesting. Folks, these the seven spirits of God, the, the declarations of Jesus, the, you know, the ages, seven ages of the church, all these tie the end times together. They're all going to happen right like they, It could, the soon return of Jesus so close it could happen before I end this recording today. We don't know when the father's sending a son for the bride. But we do know one thing. If you aren't ready, you're going to miss the boat. You are going to miss the invitation to the wedding of eternity. You heard of the wedding of the year? Well, this would be the wedding of eternity. You do not want to miss that and if that's you right now i'm being led by the holy spirit to pray with you if you just just it's just a brief prayer and you could say whatever words you want as long as your heart is saying jesus i need you that's it jesus i repent of my sins i know i'm a sinner and i need you come into my heart right now lord be the Lord of my life, and I pray that you hear me and honor this prayer, knowing my true heart right now needs you, and I ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name. You pray that prayer with me email us. Get a hold of Scott. Send him an email. Let him know that you pray that prayer. Email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org because I want to rejoice with you as well. Matter of fact, if you do not have your own Bible, I will send you your own Bible absolutely free of charge. I'll even pay the postage on it in the continental United States. So you got. if that's you, just let me know because our job is to get the word out, and I'll send you the word, the entire word, the Bible, if you don't have your own Bible right now. Praise God. Scott, Thanks again for coming on the program today. It's, as usual, it's been good. And I'm looking forward as we get into this study of the names of God, because that's one of, ooh, son, I tell you. <laughs> you know, this, this Bob, one thanks of for, famous.
2: hey, thank, thank you for having me on the show. And you know what? I'm going to just piggyback on what Bob said. Don't be one of the virgins following the bride that runs out of oil in her lamp yeah. and needs to yeah. borrow oil. Yeah. Don't be that one. Be the one that has their flame ready to walk in yep. before that door closes.
1: Amen. Amen. And you notice that the out of the virgins, the five that had the oil, they couldn't give any to the ones who didn't.
2: Because they do had enough for themselves.
1: Well, not just that, but think about it. You're not going to receive your salvation from another person. Nope. You have to go to he who has the oil exactly you have to go personally to that person you know
2: and that oil is the holy spirit
1: yeah oh yeah that's what it represents but amen symbology i am say they could not give someone like if someone say oh well i prayed with brother bob okay but brother bob's not the one who saved you
2: nope
1: you know i'm the one who said go to the source get it yourself but i'll help you you know like you know, you see the uh, old movies where they had the speakeasies and stuff yep. and you had the, had the secret tap. And then the little eye hole thing would open. And <laughs> you know, okay. Come on in. Right. Type thing. But you know, uh, you know, I just led you to the door. You're the one that has to tap. <laughs> <You Amen. know? laughs> oh, praise God. Man, I, oh, this is so good. I enjoy our conversation so much and I'm looking forward to the next one. Praise God. Folks. <clears throat> It's been good. You need to share this episode out with your fa- friends and family. Let them hear the wisdom that Scott has has gotten from his studies in the Bible and is sharing with us in these series. Praise God. That's all the time we have for today. I gotta stop, otherwise, I'm gonna end up turning this into a sermon. Praise God. For Scott Wright, and myself, Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.
0: You have been listening to Revelation Warning with Pastor Robert Thibodeau and his guest expert on Bible prophecy as it relates to current events. This podcast is not designed to invoke fear, but concern. Help us to make everyone aware that the soon return of Jesus is close at hand by clicking the like, subscribe, and then share buttons below. Share this episode with your loved ones, friends, and coworkers. For more information on our ministry, please visit podcasterforchrist.com and be sure to come back next week for another episode of Revelation Warning.